Welcome to the Nourish Your Potential podcast. My name is Kushla Holdaway and I'm a registered and accredited sports dietitian based in beautiful New Zealand. I am so glad you have joined me on this podcast where we will discuss science, sports nutrition, running and physiology alongside interviews with athletes, experts and other health professionals. Whether you're listening to this podcast during your commute, your training session or whilst cooking up a storm in the kitchen, you can be reassured information is discussed in a thought-provoking, evidence-based and easy-to-understand manner so that you have more tools in your nutrition toolbox to be your best self. Welcome back to episode 38, just over two months since my last episode. I have to admit I haven't been as consistent on my podcast in recent months. I don't want to use the excuse of being too busy, but things have been pretty chaotic all year and I simply haven't prioritised the time each week to put into this. I'm recording this on a weekend, as a lot of them are, or at least the editing behind the scenes part, because obviously it's not a crucial feature of my business and running clinics and working with clients, but the podcast is really a nice extra to have. Last year, I was really determined to not let my podcast fail. Uh, This year, it hasn't failed, but let's be honest, it hasn't been quite as consistent. So time to get back onto it and get some more episodes out there. And that's okay, you can't give every area of your life or business 100% all the time, especially when you're a one-man band like my wee business is. The good news is, I'll put a bit more effort into ensuring a couple of episodes per month, and I have a few awesome people already lined up for the coming weeks. What I will say about the podcast is it's actually helped me reach more people and clients around New Zealand more than I would have ever expected, which is so cool. I frequently get messages and emails from people saying they've listened to a particular episode and really enjoyed it, or requests for different topics and guest speakers. The other aspect I've really enjoyed about this podcast is the conversations I get to have with people from all walks of life that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. This has ranged from multi-sport champions, elite world-class runners, ex-All Blacks, to everyday people and clients. It's been absolutely fantastic. I still find it a bit scary each time I record, but growth comes in places where we are uncomfortable, and I do believe the podcast has been excellent for that. While I'm recording this, I think my neighbour's doing a bit of DIY, so apologies if there is a little bit of background noise at times. Today's topic is on continuous glucose monitors, which I'll otherwise refer to as CGM. To give a bit of background on my experience in this space, I've practiced as a dietitian now for nearly seven years, with several of those being clinically based at Nelson Hospital, Wairau Hospital and Christchurch Public, before specialising in diabetes for four years at Christchurch Patients. This isn't a lot compared to so many people out there and specialists who could have worked in an area for 20 years or more, so by no means do I consider myself an expert, nor will I ever be, as honestly I think the more you learn, the more you realise you don't know. However, I loved the diabetes space, especially the technology side and the use of CGM. I think it's important to mention my experience before diving into this topic, 
As I have seen other healthcare providers online share their opinion on CGM, having never really worked clinically, let alone specialised in diabetes. Now, everyone's entitled to their opinion, absolutely. But when you're being influential on social media, I do think it's important to acknowledge scope and experience before sharing your two cents. So, what is CGM? CGM is an umbrella term for different devices on the market that continually measure blood glucose levels. There are some that are also known as flash glucose monitors, and that's just basically where you have to physically scan your smartphone or reader past the sensor in your arm to get a reading. That's really the only difference compared to a continuous glucose monitor, which just sends the information automatically to your phone. For ease of this discussion, I'll just lump them together as CGM. Basically, there is a small, round, waterproof device that sits at the back of your arm for an adult with a wee filament sitting just below your skin that you can't see when it's stuck on. The sensor is like a tiny, thin bit of thread, kind of like a really thin bit of fishing line would be the best way to describe it. So there's no actual needle sitting in your arm. And it doesn't sit in your blood, it sits just outside of the capillary in a space we call the interstitial fluid. Now it's important to remember that with regards to the interstitial fluid when I talk about some of the cons. So with the sensor in your arm, you can scan it using your phone with the Bluetooth technology or the device specific to the reader if that's available. The sensor continually sends blood glucose readings to your phone and it tells you what your current level is, but most importantly, it can also tell you where it's trending, which is one of the most helpful aspects when it comes to managing diabetes. It can tell you if your levels are dropping or falling rapidly or slowly, or if your levels are just holding steady. For example, you could be sitting in a meeting and subtly check your phone, and the app says your blood glucose levels in the normal range sitting at 6.5 and dropping really slowly. How helpful is that for someone with diabetes compared to having to excuse yourself, glucometer set out, doing a finger prick test, getting the test strip in the machine, setting it up and waiting for the result of your blood glucose level that will tell you what the reading was at that exact moment you tested. It gives you no information on where it's trending or where it's come from. The apps and technologies with these devices can also of course summarise data over days, weeks and months, enabling the individual and their healthcare professional to help with treatment dietary advice, insulin dosing, and avoiding high or low blood glucose levels. There are many different brands out there, but in New Zealand, the most common are the Freestyle Libre, Dexcom, and Guardian. Having worked with many people using these devices, and personally experimenting with the Libre and Dexcom several times myself, they each have their pros and cons. I do think the new Libre 2 is probably the best on the market in terms of its, of its features and cost effectiveness, but everyone has their own experience, experiences and preferences. The CGM cost can range from around $100 for 14 days for something like the Libre, up to around $130, $130 sorry, for 10 days for something like the Dexcom. Unfortunately, these devices are not funded or partially subsidised in New Zealand, but in many other countries they are. So for those with diabetes, they have to self-fund um, and it can be incredibly frustrating. In February this year, Pharmac did announce they are potentially considering changes with funding for CGM with type 1 diabetes. 
maybe in the near future, but nothing more has come from this yet. So what are some of the main benefits of using CGM? Ultimately, significantly less or no finger prickings required, unless of course someone's symptoms don't match their reading or if a calibration is required. CGM gives you constant data 24-7, including at night time when you're asleep, which is often a really problematic time for two reasons. A lot of people can go low at this time or um, when you're asleep, you're obviously not testing up testing your levels um, so there's often a huge gap in what's happening with patterns there as well. So with the 24-7 data it gives us the entire picture of what's going on rather than a few random blood glucose tests a couple of times a day. There's no needle involved, well besides uh, inserting the sensor, um, but for someone with a pretty significant needle phobia if you're removing having to do the finger prick testing that can be super helpful and of course for young children as well. Exercise is significantly easier uh, with a CGM rather than having to take something like a glucometer or stop and do finger pricks. And you can just uh, read what your level is on your phone or even your watch depending on what device you have. More data with the CGM means we have more information, more trends and patterns and more data means we can help more. You know, a healthcare professional can help someone more is what I'm meaning. Most apps out there have third-party apps, which allows tracking or alarms to people in their app, such as family members or parents. Um, that's particularly helpful for young children. Their parents can monitor from afar. Um, some models of CGM can now talk to insulin pumps, and simply put, an insulin pump can get the information from the sensor of what blood glucose levels are doing and basically autocorrect itself the doses of insulin given before they go too high or too low, which is incredible. Most CGMs now have the ability to alarm and alert someone before their levels go too high or too low. A CGM allows detailed, individualised glycemic response to food, stress, exercise, menstrual cycle, sleep, everything in your life basically. It can make you very self-aware of lifestyle choices on how they impact blood glucose levels, which is a vital part of health and how you feel throughout the day. CGM can be an incredible learning tool that is entirely individual to your own physiology. HbA1c, a standardised test, often done in a blood test, and it basically measures what your blood glucose levels have done on average over the last three month period. And it can tell us if it's normal, if you're pre-diabetic or have diabetes. And if you're someone with diabetes, it can reflect how well the diabetes has been controlled over those three months. Something like a CGM can predict what HbA1c may be, but it also gives you so much more detailed information than a one-off test of an average of three months. You don't get all the daily fluctuations in that. CGM also boosts confidence and a really good example of this is someone living alone can have a very real fear of going low during the night when they're asleep or having a low in the day and having a really nasty fall. And because of this fear, they may run their levels really high or, or higher than ideal. So something like a CGM where it alarms them can give them confidence to have their blood glucose levels in a better range um, and sleep better in the night as well. 
And the last major positive would be as healthcare professionals with someone using this technology, there's there's no gaps, there's nowhere to hide. And then we can help someone so much more because we're getting the full picture. So what are some of the downsides of CGM? So it's not perfect. There's times and places where it can be massively beneficial and times where it might not be quite so appropriate. So yes, ultimately amazing, but it's not 100% perfect. So CGM tracks blood glucose levels within about 10 to 15% of, say, a finger prick test or actual blood glucose levels. And they can be less accurate when they're changing really rapidly. So straight after like a high carb meal or even during hard exercise. Now, coming back to what I mentioned earlier with regards to interstitial fluid, there's a slight lag response. So there's a delay of about five to 10 minutes of say what your finger prick reading might have been or your capillary blood versus what the sensor says because it's in your interstitial fluid. So it takes time for that, uh, for the reading to pick up uh, the glucose that's moved from capillary out into where the sensor is compared to if you just did a finger prick test. So if you're going for a run and you're using a CGM, you'll look at the level that it's telling you right then, and that's probably five to 10 minutes behind what it actually is, if that makes sense. CGM is really well studied in type one, less so in type two, but a bit more coming out and much less in people without diabetes or say the athletic population. But watch this space, I think there will be more. Another huge con, probably the biggest actually, is the financial constraints. So as I said, in New Zealand, this technology isn't funded or subsidised yet. And to self-fund can be a huge barrier for some people using this, which is really unfortunate because it can really help people with diabetes. So fingers crossed that will change in the near future. I would hope something maybe by the end of 2023. The individual using CGM needs to have some degree of interpreting data, or motivation to use it and get the best use out of it. And that data, you can it can give you everything you want with regards to measuring blood glucose levels, but at the end of that day, the data is only as good as what you do with it. It does require sharing of data and having appropriate software, for example, something like LibreView, which is like the cloud system. So someone could be in the North Island using a CGM and they're tracking it on their app, and I can have the software at home in the South Island, looking at LibreView and seeing their data live every time they scan or um, their sensors picking up their levels, which is incredibly helpful. And the other con, probably from a healthcare perspective, is there is extra time involved looking through all the data and information around appointments. Um, so that's always just something to consider as well. So ultimately, to summarise this brief episode, CGM can help educate individuals, it can enhance eating behaviours, it can personalise lifestyle choices and potentially have a massive impact on those with type 1, type 2 and pre-diabetes. In my space of work, I've seen drastic improvements in those using it for something like pre-diabetes or suboptimal blood glucose control to the, po- to the point where we have fully re- reversed their insulin resistance and pre-diabetes back to within a normal range just by using CGM occasionally as a tool in their nutrition toolbox. I think there is potential for CGM in the future with more of the athletic population without diabetes, but it's early days and there's still a lot of room for improvement yet. 
From what I've seen within my experience for anyone with or without diabetes, CGM can be a game changer for the most part. I'm really interested in following its development in coming years as technology improves. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hope it's not quite as long between episodes for the remainder of 2023.